Hey there, my beautiful mama. Welcome back to the New Mom Boss Podcast, episode 89. It's Callista here, and I hope you're doing very well. Today, I have a mini virtual class coming to you in your earbuds. Today is Pregnancy Vocab 101. I'll give you mama's 12 pregnancy vocab words that are common. You may have heard of them, but maybe a little unsure about them or the details around them. So I wanted to go over 12 words that might help you as you go to your doctor or midwife appointments or as you talk with other mamas and also for when it's that time, you know, when baby is about to come out, you might hear a lot of these words. So let's get you prepped for that, shall we? All right, Mama, let's get this show started. Hi, I'm Callista Anderson, a new mom coach and educator. I help new moms just like you during pregnancy and beyond to figure out what to do next and how to do it so that you feel prepared, equipped with the proper knowledge and ready for your precious baby, allowing you to enjoy the wonderful runway into mommyhood. If you're navigating through pregnancy with a million things on your mind that you know you have to get done or learn about, then this is the podcast for you. I have been where you are and I totally get it. I'm a mom of three and my first two babies were back to back, only 13 months apart. Those first couple of years were a pretty challenging time, but it made me a fast new mom master, and it gave me a newfound passion for mamas-to-be and their babies. It was during this intense learning curve of the new mom life, I had a light bulb moment and said, wow, isn't it interesting that we women prepare way more for our weddings, like a year in advance, and put so much energy into every last detail? Yet, we don't do the same thing for becoming a new mom. I was inspired to combine my experience along with my professional background as a registered nurse and a certified lactation counselor to help women get ready for their babies like they were getting ready for their weddings, to make them feel like a boss when that sweet baby arrived. So I created my business, New Mom Boss, and started this show the new mom boss podcast to help prepare women for the most important job of their lives, becoming a mom. I am so glad you are here and want to thank you in advance for taking the time to learn for your baby. We moms are changing the world one baby at a time, and I can hardly wait to get started. So let's go. Alright, let's start with the first word, which is a super easy word. You may have heard of it already, and that is gestation. And it's just a fancy word for saying pregnancy. So gestation refers to the time period of when the baby is carried in the uterus, and they usually count from the first day of your last menstrual period, so your whole pregnancy time. And the term you may have heard thrown around is gestational diabetes, which in plain English translation is just diabetes while you're pregnant. How you find that out is by doing the glucose screening test, which is done between 24 and 28 weeks. And you'll get all the details and instructions on how to do that from your provider when the time comes. 
But that's how you find out whether or not you have gestational diabetes. All right, on to the next word. So word number two is preeclampsia. This was actually known before as toxemia. So formerly known as toxemia, and today we call it preeclampsia. And this is a syndrome that involves high blood pressure, edema, swelling, and protein in the urine. This is why at your provider's office, they check your urine and do this little dip stick thing. They're checking for protein in your urine. And if it's positive for protein in your urine, urine, they are going to investigate that and see if you have preeclampsia. Unfortunately, although there has been tons of research on preeclampsia, we still don't really know the cause of it or how we can prevent it because we have very healthy women to women with other underlying conditions that get it. So it's not based on your health history. You can be totally healthy and still get preeclampsia. And if left untreated, preeclampsia turns into eclampsia, which is a life-threatening condition. And really the only way to treat preeclampsia, because they usually find this out in the later part of the pregnancy, the only real cure is delivery of the baby. So that is preeclampsia and eclampsia. I know it can be a little scary to think about, but it's not that common, but it is common enough. And it's really important to make sure you do get that urine tested every time you go to your doctor's. All right, word number three is Braxton Hicks. Braxton Hicks is a type of contraction that is false labor. They're considered practice contractions for the real deal. So these contractions are irregular, they're not very long, and they're not usually painful contractions. So they're really mild and really just for practice. But when it's your first time, your first time mom, and this is your first time pregnancy, you may not be sure whether it's real or not. Something you can do is drink a glass of water and take it easy for about an hour. If the contractions continue and become more regular or intense, then call your doctor or midwife. So that's Braxton Hicks contractions. Now let's talk about vocabulary number four, which is real contractions. So real contractions are strong and rhythmic tightening of the uterus during labor. They're regular and painful, and they help dilate the cervix, which helps you push the baby out through the birth canal. So hopefully when you get contractions, you're 37 weeks and over because that's when baby is considered full term. And let me just touch on how to count or monitor your contractions to see if these are real and when to actually go to the hospital or birthing center or wherever you're going to have your baby. So once you start feeling these strong, painful contractions, mark the start time and use your phone or a stopwatch or whatever you have and then mark the end time. Now that will tell you how long the contraction was. And then you do the same for the next contraction, and then the next contraction, and then you'll be able to see how far apart they are. And when your contractions are about five minutes apart and about one minute long for about an hour, it's really time to go. That's called the 511 rule. So when contractions start, they're usually short, maybe 15, 30 seconds and not regular yet. And as time progresses, they'll be stronger, 
more regular and closer together. And you can use that 511 rule as the sign to get going. All right, so let's move on to vocabulary word number five, which is epidural. I'm almost certain you've heard of epidurals, but you probably don't know the process of how to get the epidural. So let me just briefly go over the definition and then refer you on how to get more information on it. So an epidural is something an anesthesiologist administers or inserts and then administers medication through to a laboring mom. They insert an epidural catheter into the epidural space on your back or the base of your spine to numb your lower body. This reduces pain significantly and kind of blocks the feeling of the contractions. More you'll still feel pressure, but it'll, it'll decrease the pain significantly. And that's inserted when you're in active labor and ready to go. In episode 30, I interviewed my friend, Dr. Catherine Kuza, and she goes into more details and the whole process about epidurals. So if you want to know more, go back to episode 30. All right, the next vocab word is induction of labor. And that means we use artificial means like Pitocin or some other medication to help start labor. They can also rupture the membranes, which is the amniotic sac, which you might have heard the term your bag breaking or your water breaking. And that means the membrane was ruptured. And speaking of rupture of membranes, that is word number seven. And that just means bursting of the sac holding the amniotic fluid. And it's usually a sign that labor will soon begin or already has begun. Now, one thing to note about this, things have kind of changed in the last couple years because when I was in nursing school and when I was pregnant with my first baby, I know the practice at the time was if your water broke, you needed to get the baby out within 24 hours because the water in the sac is draining out and the baby won't have a lot of fluid to be in. Now, I have a couple friends who have gone over 24 hours after their water had broken and they still continued with, you know, just the regular vaginal delivery or work towards it. And eventually they did, you know, get the baby out, but it was over 24 hours. I think in the past, if it was approaching 24 hours, they would do an emergency C-section, but things are changing in practice. So I've noted that and I just wanted to share that with you all. Before we move on, I want to just take a minute to talk to my pregnant mamas who might be having a challenging time getting ready for their baby. So this message is for you. You might be so excited for your baby, but you have a feeling there's still so much to prepare before he or she arrives. And if you're feeling that, you're correct. Many first-time mamas don't know what to prepare for, and it isn't your fault. That's just our culture. You know, they tell us for the most part, all we need to do is get the baby stuff and go to the hospital class. And although there's no manual for parenting, everything will be fine. And you know what? That is only a half-truth. Everything will be fine eventually, and you do have this innate mother instinct. So everything will be fine at some point, but there's a lot of things that can happen and it can take a very long time to settle in when you're not prepared in a whole way. 
And when I say whole, I mean prepared in the five S's of motherhood, which is my own approach to getting ready for becoming a mom. And that is preparing these five pillars, preparing the self, your support, your significant other, your space, and your skills. Now, if you have not heard of preparing anything in any one of these other pillars, then you probably haven't started getting ready for any of them. And that's okay. You still have time no matter where you're starting from. I help first-time moms with exactly this. And if what I just brought up is resonating with you and sounding like a little nudge from the universe to find out more, you can go to newmomboss.com forward slash guidance to do that. All right, that was just a special word for you, first-time mamas especially. My heart goes out to you if you're feeling a little off and a little overwhelmed with getting ready for your baby. All right, let's continue with our pregnancy vocab 101. Word number eight is dilation. I'm sure you've heard of that. You know, you're dilated X amount, you know, X centimeters. So that just means the opening of the cervix. Dilation is measured as the diameter of the cervix in centimeters and fully dilated is 10 centimeters. Now, don't look that up right now because you might freak out if it's your first time being pregnant. The good thing is you don't really feel it. You might feel some pressure and looking at a picture might might freak you out a little bit. Okay, so keep that in mind. You 10 centimeters is fully dilated and your provider will start checking you maybe, you know, three to four weeks before you are due, as you you get closer to your due date during your exam, just to see where you are. And especially, for sure, once you're admitted into the birthing center or the hospital. All right, word number nine is effacement, which you may not have heard of probably, but dilation and effacement go together. Effacement is the softening and thinning of the cervix. As you get closer to your due date, your provider also might start checking for this and they'll, you might hear them say this in a percentage form and it measures how thin the cervix is and how prepared it is for delivery. So 100% would be fully effaced. So when you are in labor and they're checking you, you might hear them say they're 4 and 80, meaning 4 centimeters and 80% or five, like 6 centimeters and 90%. So when you hear those numbers, that's what they're checking for. All right, word number 10 is meconium. Meconium is, in plain terms, the baby's first poop. It's a greenish-brown substance that comes from the baby's digestive tract and is passed after delivery normally. So while they're in utero, they're eating or swallowing the amniotic fluid and that goes down their digestive system and eventually comes out the other end. Usually, it doesn't come out until after they're born, but once in a while, if baby is past their due date or if baby is stressed during labor, they may pass the meconium while they're still inside the uterus, and that's not a good thing. We want to get the baby out as soon as possible and suction them and aspirate that meconium because it's going to go into their lungs. Now, this happened to me and my first baby, my third baby. I was getting ready to go, you know, I, I knew I was about to push pretty soon. I, they checked me, I was 10 and 100%. And as they were preparing me, they saw that the amniotic fluid the water, quote unquote, was stained. 
that color should be clear. And because it was stained, they knew he had passed the meconium. And the other lingo for this in hospitals is MAC. And I thought they were saying MAC, but I think they were saying MEC, M-E-C, because that's how it's spelled. And I just heard them say, okay, there's MAC, there's MAC. And I was like, what's MAC? They said meconium. And I was like, all right. I sat up. I'm like, let's get this baby out. Let's get this baby. Like this didn't happen with my other two kids. But anyway, that's a story about my baby having passing his meconium and me just getting to it and let's get him out. And we got him out pretty quickly. They suctioned him. There was a respiratory therapist on standby. They actually called the whole NICU team on standby in case he had to go to the NICU because if they weren't able to aspirate everything out, he would have needed more intensive care. But thankfully, thankfully, he was fine. They were able to take it all out. And it was actually 12 cc's of fluid that they aspirated out of his his lungs, which is quite a big amount for a newborn. But that's what happened. And Hopefully you know when they mention that word that that's what that is. And also, if things go smoothly and baby passes their first poop after birth and you see this substance, which is really dark, it could be greenish brown, almost black, that that is normal and that is just their very first poop. And as they start to breastfeed, that color should start getting lighter and lighter and become a more mustard and become a seedy consistency. So that's a crash course on baby poop. (laughs) Moving on to word number 11, APGAR score. And you may not even hear of this because it's not like they share this information out loud usually, but APGAR score is known as the newborn scoring. Right after the baby is born, you know, now the practice is, as it should be, is to put baby on top of mom's belly and do skin to skin right away. And they'll actually be doing a lot of this testing while the baby is with you. Before, they used to take the baby away, clean the baby up, you know, in the same room, but away from mom for the first several minutes. And they would do the APGAR scoring during that time and then return baby to mom. But now they do it all with mom or near mom on top of mom. And they test the baby one minute after birth and then five minutes after birth. And it's a score from zero to 10. A lot of babies don't score 10 right away and that's okay. This is just kind of a baseline to see how the baby is doing. And if it scores really low, then they can just keep an eye on baby and watch out for any changes. Or if the baby is not improving or progressing, then they'll look into that more. But it's just kind of a scoring system to see where baby is at right at birth. So there's that. You may not hear that score at all, but just so you're aware what the nurses are doing or the the staff that's helping you deliver the baby, they may be doing these things and that's what it is. All right, the last word, and it's my favorite one, and you probably have heard of this, but I just wanted to throw this in because it is a really powerful thing, and that is cholesterol. Cholesterol is that, (laughs) I guess I, I could compare it to meconium, but like the opposite because it's like a superfood. Colostrum is the first breast milk. So it's a thin, sticky, yellow fluid that your breasts secrete before the real milk comes in. Colostrum is rich in fats, proteins, and antibodies. And you're passing your antibodies to your baby 
which is why it is so valuable and so precious, you may start to see small amounts towards the end of pregnancy. And if you're not planning on breastfeeding, I hope you reconsider. But let's say you're, you're dead set on not breastfeeding for whatever reason. It could be a condition you have or something else. Please at least get the cholesterol. That is the best thing you can do as far as breastfeeding goes, like not going down the breastfeeding journey. It is liquid gold. And it's only around for a couple days because once your milk comes in, there's no more cholesterol. And if you want to know more about how breastfeeding works, the benefits and the process, you can go back to episode eight and learn more about breastfeeding. And that's it, mama. Hope that helped or refreshed your memory if you've heard of some of these before. I hope you're having a great holiday season. And until next time, take care. Hey mama, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to this show. I know you have a ton of choices out there and I am grateful to have you here. If you found this podcast valuable, then chances are other mamas just like you will too. So if you could do us a favor, please leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. We, I mean the future listeners and I, would truly appreciate it because I'm sure you already know small actions can have big ripple effects. Also, if you're not already following me on Instagram, go ahead and follow me at New Mom Boss. I love getting connected in DMs and getting to know listeners and also seeing your stories. And lastly, if you're looking for a like-minded community to go on this new mom journey with, then join my free Facebook group called New Mom Lounge. Simply type New Mom Lounge in Facebook and you should easily find it. All right, I hope to connect with you soon. Take care.